right, so this is our Sunday through the church going to Sunday meeting service. That's a good one. Yeah. Okay. Um, and and this one we do a fashion show just like they do in Christianity, except here it's the less the better. And right now we've got a couple of winners. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so uh, I just saw something on this course that gave me an idea that maybe you guys might be interested in. And that is um, the, the, the word pity. And what does it mean? And how can we think of it and use it? And is it a static object? Or, do, or is it gushy and moving? Or is there degrees to it? Are various facets of it? And I don't think that many people quite understand that. So I thought that we would work on that so that we can understand that it too is a process. First off, does anybody even know what I'm talking about? In that it's conditioned, it's um, Sankara. Pre-Sukha. Well, okay. It's not an individual thing, but more so kind of a, a programmed reaction. All right. Anything else? I've heard a lot of Buddhist words, but I uh, haven't heard much of anything. Marcus, you want to give it a go? Um, let me think. Uh, degrees of it being, um, it can be very, uh, if, if it's gentle, I suppose that's more likely to lead to sukha in a way, whereas it's very, maybe too, too energizing, maybe might hold on to that in a way if it's if it's too much in a way and you want that more then it's not going to lead through to sukha as easily without the necessary change perhaps that's an excellent point anybody else got any ideas or actually any definitions actually because we haven't i mean i haven't heard the word that's used as a translation for the word success, <laughs> the word that oops, <laughs> joy. Okay, sorry, I, I joined kind of late. What is the word that you're talking about exactly? The the Pali word is piti, p i t i. Ah, piti, and is work and is used with the word sukha, and often they're joined together as piti sukha. And in the Anapanasati, they are referenced separately as each individual one is a skill to be developed. Ah, okay. I thought pity oh, was the spontaneous is feeling. Pardon? Somebody, you two guys spoke on top of each other, not yeah. both of you. Yeah, I said I thought I thought pity was something that spontaneously erupts inside of you from meditation. Ah, uh, okay. Spontaneously erupts. 
sort of like laughter when you hear a joke? Yeah, yeah, like it's just, yeah, yeah, kind of like that, yeah, I guess. All right. So, all you have to do is to start telling yourself the right kind of jokes, mm -hmm. and it will then spontaneously arrive. <laughs> or maybe there's some method built in. Just like getting laughter, you tell a joke and people laugh. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Or when you actually look at something and recognize it and see it, that's almost like a relief. Being mm, able to see right. something. Okay. So one of the things that was said on Discord about it was uh that and they were quoting some monk or someone way off someplace with a great deal of wisdom who said that pity is like uh, being very, very thirsty for a long time, and then water appears around the corner or on its regular schedule or whatever, but there it is, and we become elated. And in fact, I want to start using the word elated because that's a word that we can actually understand, I think, that if we use the word elation, and that's an old word, it's been around for a long time, okay? Can you get elated about anything? Like imagine that you've been without something, okay? Here's an example of it, that all of a sudden you were horse playing with your friend and he was choking the heck out of you, and I mean heck. And he's choking some more, and you're out of breath, and you're struggling, and you don't know the maneuvers. You weren't watching your kung fu movies close enough, <laughs> and here you are, and all of a sudden he lets go, and then you get that breath. Relief. Relief. relief okay, and a re relief, and like you've got water. Okay, it's it's a relief. And it's an exaltation, and also in the sense that it has a little bit to do with out-breath. But it has more to do with the, with the in-breath. Whenever you're surprised, I mean, they do it in movies intentionally to make the point that when someone is surprised, it <gasps> is that quick in-breath, okay? And so the, whichever it is, um, that in fact, you can say that that's part of the different degrees in it, that the in-breath is the surprise of, oh, wow. Here's an example of that, is, is that uh, in a movie that I uh, recently had a, a bit of anderette, um, <clears throat> Barry Lyndon, um, no, that's a different movie with a different story. It's got the same point. I'll tell that one in a moment. Um, the boy was considered dead that he and his father got in the fight and the boy wanted to go to the war he got killed they get them information that he got killed and now a few months later this boy in uniform shows up he didn't have a clue that his family had been notified that he'd been killed how does the father feel at that moment In your own mind, how would you feel in that situation of, oh, my God, I had lost something and I'm just getting over the grief of it. And here it is. 
which is basically the same kind of feeling as getting choked and then getting to breathe. <laughs> okay, so this kind of experience then has obviously different degrees. One example of it is that you're looking for your cell phone all over the house and you can't find it anywhere until you do. And how do you feel when you find it? Really, <laughs> and that's the app. I realize it. I realize I can't find it because I was using the flashlight on my phone to try to find it. <laughs> <laughs> that's like looking for your spectacles that you really look somebody in. Go where my glasses? Where my glasses? Yes, I know that. It's always in the last place you look. It's always in, right because when you find it, you stop looking. I mean, <laughs> I've heard that one like the chicken and the egg. You know which mm. came first? Well, it was obviously the egg because whatever it was that we called a chicken was laid in an egg. <laughs> mm. So where did the egg come from? Well, that doesn't matter. It came before the chicken. I mean, all the way back to embryos and women carry those things around. And I don't know all about eggs, but I do know that the eggs came before whatever we call chicken. <laughs> and almost chicken, maybe a banty hen or something. I don't know, but dinosaurs, they say. Now you're asking me about where did dinosaur eggs come from? How about crocodiles, snakes? I don't know. Eggs have been around for quite a long time. Mm. So anyway, back to the point about being elated as an object of meditation. Now, there's one of two ways to do it internally and externally. What do I mean by that? All right. That uh, an external would be the ones that we've already been talking about mostly. Long, long, jumping, jumping, drink of water, breath, all of those kinds of things you become elated for because we see, touch, feel. And in fact, of this stuff, will give you that kind of thing. You can walk out. I mean, people do that. They go to the national parks all the time to get that feeling of elation. The overwhelming beauty of this vista, whatever it is. People go to, even to New York City and climb the highest buildings just to have that feeling of that height, that vista, right? It's, it's kinesthetic. It's in the body. It makes you, it, your feet tingle. <laughs> When you're really up high like that. Have you ever had your feet tingle? Yeah. You've been really, really high on a precipice. You look way down below the things that you would think of a car is barely an ant moving at best. <clears throat> really high. Yeah. It's a kinesthetic feeling. But it has, that's why people do that. We go to movies sometimes to get really impressed and really thrilled. People go to sports games and get elated over school <laughs> and pay hundreds of dollars for the ticket for the pleasure of feeling elated over a score. 
one score after another. But the elation has the wreckage on the other end when the other team scores. <laughs> and so then our elation is dependent upon the outside world, you see. And that our society is built upon, let's go get our high pleasures, let's go get our elations, let's go get our feel goods, let's go get our sense of winning by chasing it around. And we can call that sensual pleasure in a way, but it makes us feel really good. And that's why Pitisuka is just an ordinary word in the Pali language. Sorry, sorry. Is that Marcus? Okay. So, onward and upward. This feeling of um, elation, we can also kind of equate to the word bliss, except that bliss, we don't really know. What is bliss? What is being blissed out? We don't really know, but we all do know the feeling of elation. And so I think that that's kind of a misnomer with, with people who are practicing Anapanasati correctly, that they do experience this, this sense of elation. How do you practice and, it correctly? And, well, okay, we might get into that just a little bit. <laughs> but in fact, if I'm just telling you about developing it, and explaining to you what it is, I'm sure you can go sit someplace in silence and figure it out. But I've got some hints of how it has been figured out in the past. But this is the key, is, is that there is a state that we all long for. And that we can read in some Pali book that it means joy or it means rapture, or it means um, uh, uh, sankara and condition and all of that kind of stuff. And in fact, that's what I've been talking about is the conditions of it and how we are conditioned by the outside world. But we can also, with our own sankaras, that we're building up that are wholesome and helpful can begin to get that feeling on the inside. As we're breathing in and breathing out, in fact, we begin to use the breath itself to help pump us up into that state of mind. You're talking about the difference between the bodily sankaras and everything else. Because they're not uh, only sankaras of the body. Well, actually, most of the testiest ones are the Vedana sankaras. Mm. Those are the testy ones. And those are the ones that we're actually beginning to deal with, in fact, because this sense of relation is quite a bit of Vedana, out higher and deeper. <laughs> And that we're going to use the body and the bodily sand cars to help us do that a little bit. But we're also going to be using the chitta sand cars in the same way. By experiencing the mind and gladdening the mind, this is all pumping up the mind that is in the, the Buddha's teaching in Anapanasati. 
And so we we can use the, the, the long and the short breathing as kind of a bellows in a way. Use that kind of it as an analogy. And we also recognize that if we can begin to control the mind, then with that mind and controlling the mind, we can control the breathing. But in fact, you can't control the breathing without using the mind to do it. And you can't do it with the mind unless the mind is being controlled by... Never mind. The point is, is that we can develop some mind control. That's what the Buddha's path is really all about. It's about change. Can we make a change? Can we improve things, make it better? And so when we do make it better, how better can we make it? Well, let's get it up at least to the level of being elated about our practice. It, that's the way. In fact, we get so uh, elated <clears throat> that we become not overwhelmed, but basically another way of saying it is, is that there is nothing left to say because you're there with that feeling. Maybe we can let a, a yell out or a yee-haw or yippee-ki-yo-ki-yay or something like that. But that's about the only thing that we can verbalize, <laughs> okay? Which means that at that level, we're right on the doorstep of second jhana now. Even this level. gets heavy some someday. Pardon? Even this gets heavy someday. Well, someday. Absolutely. It does become in the second jhana. After you've been through it, you get tired of it. I mean, what do people do after they jump and yell after a touchdown? Do they continue to jump and yell until the next kickoff and they're still jumping and yelling? No, no. They're just going to do it for about, what, 10 seconds? <laughs> and then they're going to relax. And maybe 10 seconds is all we need in that second, Donna, to be completely overwhelmed physically, sensationally, uh, exuberantly, um, uh, in that state of pity that is begins to be completely nonverbal. Mm. So how do we get into that state? is by we talk ourselves into it. That in fact, the process that's important to understand is, is that sutta is necessary in this practice that we're doing here because we're not relying upon the senses to give us our relation. Uh, we're going to be doing it with sutta instead. And so that means that the sutta arises into elation, into the pity. And then we get really deeply into the pity, into the second jhana. And then we let it melt into the third jhana, back into that peak of uh, sukha. And then we let that relax into the fourth jhana. Now, this is all in the sutras, and it's specified that way. And you can actually understand it when I use this language and see that, yeah, that's right. That's what he's saying is actually in, if we get the words correct. 
so that we can say it understanding that that's the problem with the translations that we have is, is that they, they were translated by people who didn't know what they were talking about. And so when you get into these states, then you know that, oh, that's right, we can get that excited. We do that. Here's another example. This is an easy one for us. Okay. You're on a date and she does something that gives you the cue somewhere along the way that you're going to get it tonight. Okay. Maybe the way that she does her bra, maybe the way that she does her pants, whatever it is, you say, dog, I've got it tonight. All right. That's pity. You ain't got it yet. Guess what? You ain't got it yet. But, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> 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 so it's like anticipation almost it's the anticipation yes that's exactly right <laughs> in rocky horror movies uh that's the that's the word anticipation okay mm. it's just so delicious oh i know i'm going to get it tonight <laughs> okay it's that kind of feeling now at a later, more wholesome stage, you can have that kind of experience of, aha, I really don't have any more troubles anymore. I really have got it licked. There really is no worries, no trouble. <laughs> and we hit that peak. Wow, isn't that marvelous? I really don't have any more problems. So that melts into, uh, into the relaxation of, wow, isn't that great? But it hits that, that peak. And there's many of these peaks that we will have on this spiritual journey that we have. And we're looking for these peak experiences that you can actually create. And so how did we put, we have that thought that gave that elation, wow, there really is no more worries, can come in several different forms. And one of them is, is that um, ex externally, how does that happen? Guess what? If you're around people who are in a state like that, it's gonna rub off on you. It's called mob behavior, except that mostly when a mob is formed, they're formed with rage and anger whatnot like that and they don't have enough but if you've got four or five monks that are sitting around <laughs> just having a ball you begin to have one too mm. and having wholesome thoughts become easier and easier to do and in fact that's one of the things that so this this is all about this elation that we're talking about can be transmitted in sangha that in fact, a lot of you experience that elation simply because we're talking about it here. And you have even more of it because you can see each other experiencing it also. And that's even better. But this is kind of a, a, a mutual belly rub or something. It's another kind of pity party. Ha! <laughs> 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 I got it! I got it! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Good joke. I hadn't even thought of that one. <laughs> I was slow. Okay, so um, there, 
there is an example of this, and I want to show you the, uh, the name of it is uh, Hakuna Matata. It came out of a movie in 1994. Right. Mm -hmm. Have all of you guys seen that thing since we, um, uh, I posted it about an hour ago before we started. Mm. I um I did want to discuss that at one point, but at one point I I thought it over and I thought that it uh, wasn't completely wholesome. But I guess maybe I should investigate it again, or we can talk about it. Well, was it wholesome by itself and in and of itself, or was Marcus in there jumping on it with both feet? Aha! I see that, and I see that. Okay. So. In, in the sense that uh, it, I, I imagine that you don't like them eating worms. Um, you know, I can't even remember what it was, to be honest, but I'm just seeing the parallels now. I know it's based on um, Macbeth, like the actual movie, but in a way it also like carries the Buddha story. You know, he's a prince and he, he leaves his household, um, you know, to to find enjoyment, uh, not not enjoyment, but, but to find satisfaction, you know, or, or uh, Actually, away from no. dissatisfaction. Uh, he found Sansa. <clears throat> ah, okay. He found... Watch the Lion King again? Yeah, He Lion found King. Buddha Puma <laughs> and Timon, Abbot Timon. Okay, that's what he found. He found some Sangha. Hmm. And they were the ones who taught him the song. Ahuna Matata. Uh, Ahuna Matata. No worries for the rest of your days. Can you sing that one line just right there? No worries for the rest of your days. And see how good you can feel with that. Allow can that I to ask? Be a, a mantra, if you will. Hmm? Yeah, can I ask? Uh, I was wondering, like, what is the, is it like using sense doors to create sukha? Is that the right understanding of how You've sukha can be? You've been doing it your whole life. Let's do it wholesomely. Yeah, I mean, is it is it wholesome to use like music and stuff and food or whatever to kind of, you know create the sukha. Absolutely. Absolutely. Why would you eat food if you're not actually paying attention to what you're doing with it? And if you are paying attention to do doing with it, then you also are probably enjoying what you're doing. That this is a whole point about beginning to enjoy this moment because you really don't have any worries. And see, a lot of people go around having all of these rules that so many Buddhist people have, rather than recognizing that the teachings of the Buddha are actually something quite natural. Enjoy your life, bro. To enjoy your life. To be happy. And at pleasure right now one. without seeking those pleasures in what is called yeah. sensual desires. Desires. <laughs> When what the word desire means is wanting something you can't have. And what we're changing that into is absolutely getting a great big whiz bang kick out of what we've got. 
right here and now. That this is it. This not only is this is the best you're going to be able to do. You couldn't want anything more. This is great. We have to get into that state of elation about how nice things are for your whole frigging life. If you got this, you will wonder how many things will fall into place that you thought mm -hmm. of desirable. Exactly. When you can find, when you can figure out a way of putting your mind in this state, what else do you want? <laughs> <laughs> so you can bring up the feelings of pity and sukhi anytime you want to. And as the more you get skilled at it, the more control that you have over them, you see that both of them have a little bit of effort that you don't even have to take. <laughs> <laughs> But we need to be able to control this. Here's another example of what we're talking about. And that is, is a lot of people have the idea that they can go from a negative state up to a neutral state. And even in physics, we know that cycle sine waves don't work like that. You don't start with a nadir and then go up to a zero. But there's always going to be an overshoot. And that everything is in cycles, up and down and up and down and up and down. And what we need to do is two things. One is be able to see these cycles that we get caught on. And then the other one is to begin to control them so that you can do with them as you please, rather than feeling uh, a victim to your cycles. By the way, these cycles are called samsara. I'm sure you've heard that word. And we get into sometimes you feel like a nut and sometimes you don't. And when we're in that cycle and caught in the cycle, then whatever part of the cycle we're in, we either like it or don't like it. And then the cycle changes and our feelings don't. And so we just go back and forth from liking and not liking and liking and not liking and never get around to really, really elating as to how nice things really can be. We don't ever complete the cycle. Not that kind of cycle in the sense of going to the actual uh, zenith and staying there. That we tend to bottom out into the nadir. And the point is, is can you begin to control these cycles that we're in? And can you begin to change their uh, amplitude as it were? So that you can begin to feel the way that you've wanted to feel your whole life and didn't know how to do it and thought that meditation might do it to you or for you, rather than recognizing that meditation is developing the skills so that you can do it. <laughs> and so we do it with the mind's objects and the mind itself, the state of the mind that we're in, and the objects that we say, the words that we say, together with working with the body and the body of the breathing and, and working with long and slow breaths and getting ourselves really relaxed in the body. We use those things then to attack these nasty feelings <laughs> so that we can get our mind into a state of sutta. Well, actually, our feeling state. Should we, should we, should we call them nasty? Is I, I find if I smile, if I smile at whatever's there and come out of it that way, it's much more 
was I not smiling when I used the word nasty? I thought I was putting extra smile on that uh, word. Okay, okay, sure. <laughs> Sorry, I was I was listening more than seeing, in a way. Well, yes, that's the language, though, is that, yeah, they're nasty. Okay. But we can see dukkha as dukkha, but we don't have to see it as bad, just something to kind of step out of the way of and ignore and then recognize that we did step out of the way of it and ignore it. And there's one more step close to elation. Guess what, guys? I just did it. I was actually able to change my mind from an unwholesome thought to a wholesome thought. Yeehaw! <laughs> and now we're practicing correctly with all of these various little steps of Anapanasati of experiencing the mind and recognize what's going on and gladdening the mind and taking a deep breath, mindfully breathing in and breathing out. And by doing that, we then change those words in uh, from wholesome, from the unwholesome into the wholesome, and then to apply it to making ourselves feel good, satisfied, comfortable, Free from fear. In fact, that's the one to start on, is to get yourself into a state or a place where you feel safe. After you know that you're safe and you look around and check, yeah, that's right. There are nothing, there's nothing around here that's dangerous. So my intellect is working for me, saying that this is a safe place. Now let's close our eyes and feel safe. And I actually feel safe knowing that I'm in a safe place. This is part of the training of the Sutra. Can I actually relax and say, ah, actually right now, there's no dangers, nothing to worry about. Everything is okay. The next one is, are you comfortable? Are you comfortable enough just to sit without having to move around? Notice, is the body comfortable? This is actually step three of Anapanasati, is this comfort thing. On the way to knowing that you're comfortable, we allow the body to relax. But you can't relax if there's dangers around, so we got to get the dangers out of the way first, and then we can relax. And so we can talk our way through this. And then the next one is that we give credit for the fact that this state of fearful uh, is not fearlessness, it's safely and securely. Fearlessness is basically something that a warrior does when he goes into battle. We're not going into battle fearlessly. We're inviting that guy that we used to think who was an enemy over to suffer. There's no war. There's no battle. There's nothing to fear at all. And so we get into that state of feeling, okay, there's no battles left right now. I don't have any enemies, and no one's enemies of me. So with that, we feel safe and secure and then comfortable. And with that, we begin to feel, this is good enough for a while. This is, this is good stuff. And we become satisfied. Satisfied because I don't want anything. I feel satisfied right now. And so this is the, the practice of developing the sukha. And then the next step is going towards pity. And how do we do that? 
is by recognizing that, yes, I can get myself into a really peaceful, nice state. Before, I didn't know I could do it. Now that I've done it, I can see it. I can do it. Yes, I can. I'm a champion here. And we change our attitude from the attitude of being a victim. Oh, poor me, I need meditation. Into, got it. <laughs> got it. Okay. Now, that's in fact, that elation right there is got it. Okay, that's the pity. And we want to kind of top things off with that. But that's not a state that we stay in for very long. But we do want to be able to bring it back any time that we can talk ourselves into it. And the more often we talk ourselves into that state, then the better able we are to do this. This is a skill to be developed. It's a temporary state. But wow, how high can we jump? So this is kind of a mental muscle that we're developing, the state of piti and piti sukha. Can, it, can you jump high enough that you enjoy the view so well that you can't even tell yourself about how nice it is? Because then that's the second jhana, is how nice it is, is so nice that we become in a way, and I'm kind of regretful for using this word, but we can say absorbed in it. <laughs> and here's the example that the Buddha gives with this state. He gives the, uh, the example of an artesian well. Now, an artesian well is a well that springs up naturally. We can call it also a spring. And some of them, and sometimes a year, put a, quite a lot of water up and it's really cold because it's coming out of the ground. So what the farmers do is they'll build a little pond around that. They'll put dirt around, they'll put a dam. And if they're really lucky, and they often are, it's going to be a hill close by. So they got plenty of dirt to get off the hill to build the dam while at the same time, two thirds or three quarters of the dam's already been built by the hill itself. And there we find this pond that now has a sub strange feature and that is is that the um the water is really cold and vibrantly alive right there at the wellhead that that water is gushing up and gushing up and then mixing with warmer water that has already been laying on the top there and getting warm by the sun and now here you are a kid jumping in to that pond knowing that that well head is down there and you go jump down there and it's just gushy all over i mean it's hard to even stay down there and it's so cold but the cold is mixed with warm and it's just really vibrantly alive you can imagine that it's bubble there's no bubbles there or very few bubbles but it's all of this turbulence and the, and the, 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 the um the temperatures are all mixed together and whatnot Okay, this is actually the experience that the Buddha talks about in at least one sutta, number 119, when he's talking about the second jhana. That's the pity. That's the exhibit. And he's like, <laughs> like that. That's the feeling that you get. In fact, you can see it just kind of comes up when I think about it. <laughs> and oh, and they, some of them call it Kundalini. Mm. But it's an experience of exhilaration. It's an experience of, wow, how great this is. 
Boshes is good. I guess words like boshes are the words that come up naturally. The planets align. Pardon? The planets align. Okay. All right. That's one way of saying it, which means a whole lot of waves are going on. <laughs> so, this is that word and the song that they have. You can see that that's what Simba picks up from these two. Using this song as an anchor, you can too. And watch him as he grows up in that scene when he gets a little older as he's growing up while he's singing with his best friends. Who happen to be wiser than most humans that you'll find. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's a really interesting little point to learn. We can use that as a mantra. No words for the rest of your days. I mean, can't you really experience that? You just actually think about that. That you really don't have any worries for the rest of your days. Never. No problems ever again. You got it wired. You can handle this life supremely. That's the state of confidence. This is that elation. That's the pity, is to be able to feel and experience like you're on top of your own world, and you know you can do that. Everyone is an emperor of their own power. <laughs> I was wondering when this was going to turn up. Yeah. I see a word elation is almost like elevation in a way of the mind and pulling yourself by the bootstraps out of, uh, you know, out of your own crap. Ah, the term beam me up, Scotty. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> Except that um, the way that we're thinking about it now is, is that Normally, most people are buried under their own politics. Pity parties, anger parties, all this kind of stuff, because they're not feeling the way that they don't want, like they, they want to. They want to feel elated. That's why they buy football tickets. They want that. That's why they go to concerts. And they get their money worth. But look how short-lived that is. I mean, even if you went to a concert every day, the concerts themselves would get tiring. Right, knowledge. Mm -hmm. And so we can give that thing that we actually are craving. People go around wanting to feel good. And here's the Buddha giving an actual method to do that. We literally talk ourselves into it, but we have to do it over and over and over again. This repetitive, changing the mind from those unwholesome thoughts and bring in really wholesome things like, wow, this is great. Wow, this is a really nice breath. I really like that one. And sometimes it doesn't even need verbiage. It's just experiencing breathing. How nice it is to be able to breathe. And if we end if it's in blockage, then we can clear that blockage out and then feel really good that we got that blockage out. 
I blew my nose and I feel better. <sighs> so this is the kind of way that we're practicing, using the breathing and experiencing things here now. That in fact, going back to the point about the outer versus the inner, now we can, with this skill, begin to get related off of just the ordinary things like a palm tree. <laughs> there it is, boys. I can't tell you how nice it is. It's all by itself. Because you have control over this sensation. You have control over these feelings. You can begin to feel the way that you want to. But let's practice till we get really good so that we can actually feel completely satisfied that I can go right to the top of my own mind, right to the very top, whatever that is, that we can now use the word elation for. It's elation, it's the high point, but it's just a pinnacle. It's not a plateau. Practice it well, enjoy the hell out of it. Let it go. Yeah, <laughs> but again, never mind, start again. So this is the way that we, we understand it. Yes, there is a whole lot of anticipation built into that. That we can go back to that issue of the panties or whatever it was that when you know that you're going to get it, that's the point of that elation. But the whole rest of the evening, we have to spend in pleasure. That's a momentary point. I know it. I got it. But then we have to go through the rest of the yeah. One of the examples that I use, in fact, is the example of someone in the desert, very similar to the other one, and that your parts dry and you go over finally one more dune, and there it is, a real oasis. A real oasis. I mean, the kind that it's not just that shimmering thing that people have that uh, is, a, is a mirage. No, this one's got camels and tents and hoochie-goochie girls and um, trying to clothes and all kinds of stuff. And it's a real oasis. And you know that you're going to survive because that water is there. More than likely, the scene in our mind is, is that we're now running. I mean, we could barely make it up to the top of the dune. We were just wasting up to die. And now we got it in our sight. We got it. And that gives us a huge amount of energy so that we can actually run down the hill. But the satisfaction comes is after there's the next stage, and that is the drinking. And that is after we roll over completely full. Okay. And that completely satiated, I've had enough. That would be the state of equanimity is after you finish drinking. So the running down to the hill is the pity. The sukkah is getting it, drinking it. Oh, it feels so good to wet all over, you know, the inside of the mouth, and all. it feels so good. And then after we fed our fill, we roll over in satisfaction, deep satisfaction. People have no idea how much this kind of control they're thirsting for. Mm -hmm. So you can do this. You can use this imagery if you want to. Question. You got it. That water is right in front of you. Go get it, boy. <laughs> yeah. 
question on tying some of these metaphors together. Um, pity is has been said to be like the anticipation of it. Um, is that just kind of seeing the wholesome leaning that like the direction that it that things are? You can are? also yes. That the answer to that is both yes, and you can also begin to see that as wisdom itself. Is begin to see how things are leaning. Begin to see how things are headed. Begin to recognize that you have a great deal of control, but not complete control over how things are going, how they're headed. You don't know the result. You don't know what how you're going to land. But you but it's do still know. pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Then the sukha would be the immediacy of um, being satisfied. So not and also not wanting anything else other than that what's already there right exactly that's that whole point of the be here now is built right into the buddha's name for himself the tathagata mm -hmm. the one who has come to right now thus it's not it not necessary it. it's not necessary to have that kind of control anymore it's not it's not mundane control it's super mundane control precisely and the control, that, that is when we are uh, the emperor of our own world and we're sitting on top of our own pile of dirt. <laughs> naturally. Just naturally sitting there, enjoying the view, putting up with our own fumes. <laughs> <laughs> well, the power has been off here quite a while. Why don't we finish this or at least get into anybody got any last things to say, any questions to leave with any any comments? Very grateful. It's a good thing. <sighs> Satisfying. Mm. No worries for the rest of your days. Anybody else? Marcus. I want, uh, obviously, that's, you know, where that's headed. Um, I'd like some more seclusion in a way. Of, you know, then, like for a while oh. I've been working every every day. I know there's seclusion to be found within the day. You know the three monkeys, don't you? Go ahead. See no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil, and they've got a first cousin. Do no evil. Mm. Okay. Oh, the power just came back on. <laughs> heavenly. So heavenly. Power. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you, Teresa. <laughs> So, anybody else got anything? Kathel, is that, is that how do you say that name? C A D. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was just thinking about satisfaction with such little satisfaction. How do you be satisfied with with droplets of satisfaction? You know, finding the satisfaction with very little satisfaction. Oh, well, in, 
in that sutra mm. that I was talking about, about the artesian well, is the second jhana, the first jhana, is they use the example of bath powder, but my grandmother made biscuits, and she did it exactly the same way. She would put the dough out, and then she would take a bowl of water and dip her fingers in it, and then sprinkle the water on the dough a little bit at a time, move it around, and then come and dip her fingers in water and move it around again until she could get the ball of dough uh, as dry as possible and yet doesn't have any wheat that do, that's not absorbed, that everything is absorbed. You move it around and whatnot like that, but you certainly don't want it dripping wet at all. And so you very carefully drop that water on it. So you can think of now is that every drop of water that you sprinkle on your life is a wholesome thought, a joyful thought, a gladdening thought, a nourishing thought. And you just keep sprinkling. So I often use the example of a bucket that's got a dripping faucet. And you put that bucket under it, and the first thing that happens is the bucket's out in the sun. It's gotten hot. And so, therefore, even the first drops, you lose them. But it's cooling the bucket. At least allow that. And then after the bucket cools, then it begins to collect water. But you can only see it. It doesn't even cover the bottom. But if you leave it there and keep dropping and keep putting and keep adding these thoughts one at a time, Wholesome after wholesome after wholesome. Eventually, that bucket fills right up. And then it overflows with joy. And so this is the practice is the most important quality of the practice is that we have to keep repeating this over and over again. Repeating what? Being satisfied. And then the satisfaction begins to get a whole bunch of it there. One drop at a time. One day at a time, one drop at a time. Okay. One drop, one one thought, one mind moment at a time. Got a bunch of them. Use them wisely. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Paul, how are you doing? You got anything to say as we finish? No, Carl's not here. <laughs> All right. I'm here. Tommy, how about? Oh, you got okay. All right. You got nothing. <laughs> Is that what he said? Nothing to say. Nothing to do. Oh, yeah. That's really satisfying. Nothing. Tommy, how about you? You got anything to say? Uh, no, nothing to add. Just um, thank you very much for the talk, Damarato. Okay. Well, you guys go enjoy your practice. Go enjoy cool. practicing, enjoying your practice. You too. What a nice practice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, thank you so much. This has been delightful. I'm glad that you... You, you got it. We'll have to make sure that everybody who sees this video has that other video of uh, uh, Hakuna Matata. Mm. Hakuna Matata. What a wonderful Hakuna phrase. Matata. Yes. Remember, you've got no worries for the rest of your days as long as you keep remembering that. And sing the song. It really is Sukha. Mm. Give me pity. Okay. Sukha. Okay.
拜拜，拜拜，拜拜。